welcome to Beyond Beckdale, the podcast about film and feminism. I'm your host, Contrera. I'm here with Nick. Hello. Hello. Uh, And we are going to uh, give an example of one of the segments that's going to be in season two, which I am calling Trojan Horse. And what that is will become apparent as we talk through the podcast. So, what film are we speaking about today? We are talking about Edge of Tomorrow. We live, are. Live, die, repeat. Come with me. Now, quickly before we start. So, directed by Doug Lyman, who I know uh, from directing Go, but I completely forgot that he made The Born Identity, which is a much more relevant film genre to Edge of Tomorrow, I think, than Go is. But that was the first film I, I watched of his that I absolutely loved. Yeah. And he also made Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Jumper and another Tom Cruise film, which neither of us have seen, I believe, American Made. No, I haven't seen it. So uh, he's obviously, uh, Cruise likes him. Yeah. Um, so um, it cost about 178 million, don't know if that's dollars or pounds. Right. Is that mostly Tom Cruise's salary? <laughs> To make Edge of Tomorrow, and it made, I presume those figures are box office, worldwide box office. Do, do you want to guess? Well, uh, On 178 okay. million. I would guess I don't know, 400 million around that area. Yes. Did you, really? Did you, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I think we've had this conversation before, haven't well, we? Well, maybe yeah. we have. How many fingers am I holding up behind my back? Um, which I think is actually low. Because that's only really double. It's it's not quite got the sort of mass market appeal, I don't think, as, say, a Marvel film or a, or a Disney animated film. So I can see why. I, mean, I actually think that's still pretty good. Um, yeah. And that was 2014. Yeah. So that's yeah. what it's made, which is actually now coming up for five years, which is crazy, because I feel like it was the other day. Yeah. Like, it was only yesterday, yeah. or is it tomorrow? Oh, my God. How many how many live, die, repeat jokes can we can we scrape into this, uh, this podcast? Well, We're you won't keep remember, going. because we'll keep I'll going. keep saying them, mm. and you won't remember I said them before, and you'll still laugh. Yeah, yeah. Right, let's get to the plot then. Um... It starts with, uh, so I'm looking at this budget and I'm thinking 178 million, wowza. And it's been, I don't know, a couple of years since I've seen it, 18 months. And the beginning of the film is this hashed together, ridiculous, tropey, I've seen this a hundred times before, mishmash of news coverage with the aliens invading. And they don't really show anything in terms of what the what the actual threat is, but you know it's some kind of alien entity mm. that's taking over. Although now I'm thinking, do you even know if it's an alien entity? Because that's us just watching this. So I, th- I can't remember well, what the news says. I think you're supposed to believe that anyway. Yeah, and I'll tell you one thing that bugged me to start with. Um, 
uh, I hate the way that when they they put they put um, actual footage or historical footage, I think, of warfare or of newscasts inserted new parts that obviously relate to this film. So Tom Cruise being interviewed, Tom Cruise's character, uh, whose name I don't remember, which I love. What's uh, his name? Cage. Oh, Cage. Will, William Cage. Mm. Classic Tom Cruise character mm. name. So Cage is being interviewed, and then uh, Brendan Gleeson's character is being interviewed again, whose name I don't remember, because <clears throat> the only person I'm interested in is uh, coming up. Um, and then they have some new news footage, and it's all put together. And I hate the way that it's all supposed to be happening at the same time, but the footage is grainy, where they've taken it in from an external source, and the footage that's new, that's on the brand new cameras, 4K, whatever, you yeah, know, yeah. smoothing. <laughs> we all know Tom Cruise likes a bit of smoothing. <laughs> Motion cat smoothing. Um, uh, and, and I can see the difference. Yeah, you know? yeah. So I'm thinking 178 million, and the first five minutes is awful. <laughs> Budget. And it's like, yeah, so it starts with these newscasts saying the alien invasion is coming, we're losing, but we've just had a really big battle. And there's these huge posters and there's a lot of like modern, ultra modern advertising uh, where you see for the first time Emily Blunt's character, Rita, otherwise known as the Angel of Verdun. Then it cuts to... Uh, it's um, Tom Cruise, isn't it? Essentially... Uh getting drafted into the front line he, he starts off as a he's a he's a sort of a uh, marketing uh, an he army marketing an advertising officer. agency so he's a theoretically he's a major in the army and but he's never really seen any service so and he's managed to escape ever seeing any service and then at the very last minute or well, not last minute but he goes and sees brendan gleason and gets drafted onto the front line for a big invasion the next day he is the man his character cage is the man who made the angel of verdun famous yeah. he used her in the way that you had those posters yeah. with kitchener was yeah. it your country needs you? yeah yeah it's a classic it's the yeah. Yeah. propaganda Un Uncle military Sam, that propaganda kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um and because of that he probably thinks when he's going into the office that he's going to get some kind of commendation yeah and instead brendan gleason's uh irish english uh british general says to him no. You're going to the front line. Because you're so good at propaganda, the best propaganda you possibly could give would be by filming this big battle, which because of the success of Verdun, where uh, the uh, humanities forces seem to um, force the alien invaders into retreat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they seem to be winning, and so they're definitely going to win at the next battle. Now, now, do you think this is? Do you think this is realistic, or is this well, just? Well, I thought there's a slight odd leap of faith there. It's not really. I'm I, not really explained to me why Brendan Gleeson has a problem with Tom Cruise to a certain. That, that, well, that's the so you think that's, that's why the he's doing That's the impression it. that I'm getting. His his character is just. Like, um, he is not now, taking any shit. I suppose there's an argument to say that you know, Tom Cruise dying on the front line or filming the front line is, you know, that, that there is a purpose to that, that there might there may be an overarching war purpose to that. But I just got the impression that 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 he'd wronged Brendan Gleeson in some way and then that was it. You, and I it, don't think we ever find that out. You don't at all. Because I'm not entirely sure it's the most sensible approach. Having him there in, I don't know, some helicopter or something filming it and then reporting from the front line mm. like a war reporter... 
but it would make sense. But it's it's likely to be a a, yeah. a death warrant, you know. Yeah. You know. So really, there's some kind of unspoken tension, whether Where? it's yeah. between British and American forces, because later in the film there's a couple of little like you know World War Two digs. Yeah. In America. Yeah. But it's still an it's oddity. It's very weird. It is yeah. an oddity. Uh, but in any event, um, off he goes to the front line. Yeah. Um, he gets arrested because I think he tries to escape, doesn't he? Yeah, so he gets there and we see beloved Bill Paxton, R.I.P. Uh, as Bill. the, he's called like Major Sergeant, Sergeant Major. He's got like 10 different like ranks in the same name. Well, he's a Sergeant Major, isn't he? So, yeah, but I think he's called Major Sergeant. I uh, remember thinking he? uh, he's not called Sergeant Major because that's what I've heard. Uh, I just thought, I thought he was like a drill instructor, but he actually does see, see combat, so he can't be quite a drill instructor, I suppose. I love Phil Paxton and I can't think off the top of my head whether he ever plays anyone absolutely horrific. I can't help but look at him and think... I trust you. You'll 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 always be on the side of the good guys. And <laughs> even when he's like having a massive go at Tom uh, Cage, saying, um, you know, stop trying to lie to me. You're a yeah. deserter. Yeah. You have to join this crew. Um, we've kind of missed a bit. So basically, Tom says no. That this is right. Tom Cruise is like. Well, I don't know whether I was going to say underrated, but maybe loads of people rate him. But I think most people go and see Tom Cruise films, especially nowadays, because they're like action spectaculars. Mm. I know it's going to be ridiculous action shots where he might hurt himself. Um, but I think that in this film, Tom Cruise is exceptionally good at portraying this character because at the beginning, Cage is like a bastard. <laughs> He's like, like you know, we were laughing uh, when he when he says. Oh, like, you know, I, I, I'd even, I, I'd faint at the sight of a paper cut. Um, I don't want to do what you're doing and all of this. And you're like, what an asshole!" <laughs> but then I was sitting there going, this would be me. <laughs> I don't want to go to the front line. I'm going to die. I have no real war training. So yeah. I kind of, you hate him and you're supposed to hate him or, or like, you know, dislike his attitude. But there's a little kind of gnawing thing in the back of your head, which I think is that, but maybe quite a lot of us who haven't seen yeah, action yeah, yeah. would behave like this. So in the end, he then, um, uh, he, Brendan Gleeson makes out that it's okay and he doesn't have to enlist on the front line of this huge battle. But instead, he actually um, takes him by force and tells Bill Paxton, yeah. Major Sergeant, Sergeant Major, that uh, he's a deserter. And then... Uh, and then... This is a linear film for the first 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And the f next thing he does is he meets uh, J-Core. They're called J-Core? God, I only saw it two You're seconds J ago. J-Company, aren't J-Company, yeah. yes, thank you. Uh, he meets J-Company. The reason why I need to bring this up is because although you see a poster of Emily Blunt... So you could technically say she's the first female character on screen. There's a couple of newsreaders, I think, who are women as well. This is generally a film where men speak to men. Yeah. Uh, and I'm 100% sure that it doesn't pass Bechdel test. But um, we've moved on from that in 2019. Uh, the actual first female character with lines who plays a part in the film is played by Charlotte Riley. Who is who? Uh, she's one of the members of Jacob. Right, yeah, yeah. I think I know you talking about. She does about. have yeah, a name, yeah, which yeah. is important. And do you know who she's married to in real life? Uh, John C. Riley. 
No, but even then she'd have to probably change her name because I think they spell it differently. Oh, right, okay. She is married to Tom Hardy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, there we are. So, and they have two children. Pop, pop quiz right there. Mm. And she plays one of the uh, J Company. So she's a soldier. She's got a very, very ridiculously thick Southern American accent. <laughs> I don't know what that choice yeah. was. Yeah. It's not necessarily bad, but it, it certainly isn't good. Yeah, there's. A, I, I couldn't help noting the nationalities of all the people involved here that it's basically a world army isn't yes. it except, i wrote that down in my except, notes except very piecey except it's not because you, tom cruise makes a point about the fact that he he works for the for the u.s military not for this i don't know global military that's that's in uh, you know that's in europe and yet there's people there from australia from britain from america i definitely noticed a lot of australian accents and mm. i was fascinated by whether they were choices made by the actors or whether this was a little bit like The Matrix and they kind of, you know, I always think, like, got some people in because they're cheaper. Well, I think the idea was to portray a global army, wasn't it? Or at least, well, an Anglo army. Let's put it that way. Yes, a, a, <laughs> a, many, a Western world. Yeah, weren't army. many French or German no, people there. But no, yeah. it was English-speaking. Nations, mm. you're quite right. So maybe that's the issue, but mm, that's a bit weird in itself, isn't yeah. it? And there's a very funny scene that I don't know what they're trying to refer to, but I I enjoyed it from the irony sense where there's a guy who it's either one of the guys who is Black American or uh, uh, Mexican or La Latino of some denomination who at the beginning of the film when he meets Jay Company Tom says Cage says to um, him oh he never says anything when he mm. goes back yeah, in time yeah, again yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. like is that a joke? Because yeah. if that's a joke about how you're not letting people of colour say anything, then for fuck's sake, let them say something. <laughs> Don't just make the joke about it. It's not funny. <laughs> this isn't South Park, the movie. Um, and yet again, as is always the nature with this film, it's very easy to jump back and forth. Yeah. So he meets Jay Company. Then, sorry, he then... Uh, and we do see a couple of snippets of The Angel of the Dun, which is how we know Emily Blunt's character before we get to know mm -hmm. her. We see the weapon she has, which to me just looks like a... a sword. Oh, I think it looks like a helicopter blade. Oh. It is or a sword. A meat cleaver, yeah. maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but it's like, it literally... Like, hey, look, there's nothing wrong going into battle with some robots with a meat cleaver. So, a very long meat cleaver. Mm. Uh, it's like a butter knife, basically. Yeah. Although I but do she's dragging I know, it. I'm, I'm skipping ahead here, I know, but I always think, why do we still use bullets in the future? They, they seem very ineffective, but anyway. Are they not like electricity bullets or something? Are they not at least an advanced Have we not invented lasers? Bullet? No, you're right, good, good. There's certainly bullet sounds. I can't even tell you how... Because um, and also they're fighting a uh, an electricity-based alien, so maybe bullets are the better thing. Go for the hardware. I don't well, know. I don't know. Yeah. So that's the first sight we get of Emily Blunt. So she is already depicted in this film as important and central, and there is nothing about her gender that's I think that's ever mentioned. There's nothing about gender ever mentioned in this film. Yeah. And I think... War films do try to do this, and sci-fi films certainly do this in the alien mould, which is definitely say, you know, I don't know, if you're strong enough or mentally tough enough, then your gender doesn't matter, mm. which is kind of what you said earlier. But I think it's really interesting how the plot of this film is kind of pivoting around Emily Blunt's character, mm -hmm. Rita, who yeah. we later find out yeah. to be Rita. Okay, so then... 
Day then, one yeah, of the battle. Day one of the battle. Bit of a disaster for Tom Cruise. Gets killed pretty quickly, but critically is ends up killing a special particular alien that coats him in its blood, which you don't know the significance of at the time. No, it, it, you it don't does. know that's why. Yeah. yeah. So do you like the CGI? So again, so I'm like, uh, we're, we're 25 minutes... Uh, no, we're not 25. Yeah, we're, we're between 15 to 25 minutes in at this point because it's um, cruise, 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 picture of Blunt, 15 minutes in, meet Blunt, very, very briefly, 25 minutes in... He's in the battle and he's about to die. And at that point, I'm still like, exactly what you said. Yeah. All the money must have gone towards paying Cruz's salary because there's <laughs> nothing on screen that we couldn't kind of do if we had access to, like, the mal well, or something. Well, there's there's a fair amount of, you there's know... people, okay, there's, there's people. There's all those drop ships flying across the channel. There's all those, that, that robotic stuff that they're all wearing. And then there's the giant the beach suit. scene with all the alien spaceships. No, 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 this is, no, this is where I'm saying it starts. No, no, I'm saying at the moment they land... I usually prior to... Yeah. That's when... Yeah. I'm like, right, now we're getting to the yeah, money yeah, shots. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, getting to the money shots. Then. Yes, which is a phrase I shouldn't be using. And, like, <laughs> let's um, deduct some feminism points from yeah. me or something. Um, okay, yeah, so the battle, the alien. I really liked how the aliens look. I think one of it's one of the best concepts and use of CGI in modern filming, do you agree um, or not? Yeah, I, I, it's, it's a bit sort of uh, takes its cue from um, the Matrix, Sentinels in the Matrix. I think. Yes, uh, with that. Whoosh, with, whoosh. I, I think. I think aliens. I think sort of squiddy-looking aliens yes. with lots of writhing parts that look like they could tear you apart quite, quite, quite easily electric, are quite scary. Yeah, 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 but also electrical. I think yeah. is also a Matrix thing. Yeah. I actually, I actually like that because I actually think the robots of the future would be like that. If, if you if you comment on 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 machines of today, they're a bit bulky and and they you know they tend to fall over when you give them a push. Um, and can't get up furthermore whereas these things seem like they can cross any terrain they're very very flexible and I always think yeah that's how a machine would be that's how an advanced machine would be very flexible yeah they would get to us and yeah. attack it with so many of them um, so we get to his first battle he's dropped down it's not going well for Cruz the film's got quite a light hearted touch at this point though there are a lot well, of a bit of comedy uh, a lot yeah. of comedy um, Cruz do, is, do, does a very good job of looking completely incapable mm. of being in this yeah. war which yeah. I think is testament to him yeah he sees the angel of Verdun she stands up above him yeah. and then I think the first shock of the film kicks in which is that she then gets killed by one of the not before she steals his power unit though no 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 that's later that's later is it yes yes so I, I really like that scene oh, okay so yeah yeah so that's when he wakes up so oh, she right. just dies and then you're like what what i really like about this film is that it's all stakes at the beginning and it's all stakes at the end and then there's this massive part in the middle when you start to realize that the stakes aren't really there because you can reset and you can almost like relax as an audience member and be like, I'm going to enjoy this because I know you get a little bit more desensitised every time he dies. Yeah. So anyway, we haven't got to the first death. So yeah, 25 minutes in, um, he thinks he's saving her. She gets killed in the back by one of these aliens which sort of kind of generate out of the ground, sandy ground, wherever they are. 
Do we, do we know? Well, well a that... beach in northern France. I mean, yeah. it's, 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 I think it's designed to be a reflection of Normandy landings, isn't right. it, really? Right, yeah. Um, and then uh, he survives, like, much longer than I thought he was going to for his well, yeah. first one. Yeah. He was very lucky. Yeah, but that, I think that that's... That's warfare for you. I, th- I think it's it's a bit random. So much of it is luck. Yeah, I think it is. Absolutely. But he does make it, at least through the first, you know, 10 minutes of battle anyway, before he gets killed. Yeah, and then he quickly does get killed. And suddenly this is when, wow, this is when we get into the meat of the movie. Mm. He wakes up again in exactly the same place, which was... Um, and this is a bit weird as well. So he wakes up... When he, he's, we think that he's sedated or something when Gleason uh, sends him out. Because he always wakes up. It's like up a taser, in, isn't it? Yeah, so he always wakes up in the same spot, which is with him being given his boots on the military base at Heathrow. Um, uh, and then meeting Bill Paxton and then meeting the crew, blah, 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 blah. And it resets the day and it's like, wow, what has happened here? This is the time travel movie but what i don't understand is why is it reset to that bit i don't know Um, shouldn't it reset to when he woke up this morning you don't see like cage get up have his you know will degan soldiers pump some iron um well i i always thought that it resets to the beginning of the day at the point that he wakes up which i've never really so as i understood it it's really only one day, isn't it? So it's yes. So the, the the key point being that every time he dies, he resets to the beginning of that particular day. He just happens to be asleep for the first six hours of it, or whatever it happens to be. So, the, so the, the think, point that he's conscious when he wakes up. So do you think when he meets Gleason in the at the beginning, mm. it looks like it's daylight though, and it's well, still could daylight. Be previous day. So he's been asleep for like. 12 hours, well, 24 he, he hours. Gets, well, let's, yeah. let's call it uh, 12 hours. Maybe he gets tasered or maybe, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah. who, who knows what kind of... get tasered for 24 hours? Well, who knows what kind horrible. of funky technology yes. they've got in the future that forces you to... Or is it just they've missed, messed up a bit? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, to me, it just wasn't particularly hard to believe that, no. that he got tasered and then woke up on, yeah. a, on an Air Force base. I think that's worked. No, it's a beautiful plot mm. device. But now I've seen it three or four times, I'm picking apart things yeah. which you cannot do the first time you watch this film the first time your mind's blown you're like whoa he's just woken up what does this mean and then you're like uh, is this groundhog day but for warfare um which i don't i can't think of a film that springs to mind that's done that before no it's only really groundhog day isn't it that's the no i meant in terms of warfare as well because it would be a great military tactic to keep dying and learning your enemy uh yeah it would be uh but there's a there's a, there's a problem with it a fundamental problem with it which is it's impossible <laughs> okay so let's continue this conversation <laughs> as if we're gonna believe everything that happens because I don't think we should get into the mechanics of time travel. Because isn't it that Stephen Hawking said you can only ever go forward, not back, because of the whole, for example, when astronauts go up to space? Well, I would... OK, I mean, you're right. We probably shouldn't get into the, yeah. the, the ins and outs. But I've always thought an explanation, a better explanation for Groundhog Day and for Edge of Tomorrow yeah. is that it's not, it's not Tom Cruise that's repeating. It's that the universe is repeating. And he's actually just carrying on normally. Well, that's that's yeah. Mm. I think that can still be an explanation. Yeah. It doesn't have to be explained in the film. Well, it does mean he's aging, though. I suppose would be a. Uh, 
Yeah, well, there you go. His brain is ageing. I've always thought this as well. I've thought, if he's done this, and then later we find out that um, Rita, Blunt's character, has done this, I'm like, would that not completely destroy your brain? Is the brain supposed to... I suppose if it's 300 times, then it's actually probably you've only lived for another year. Um, In yeah. Groundhog Day, there is, a, there is a presumption, I think, that Murray's character has done this thousands upon thousands of well, times I, I, to get to him being a concert pianist. Well, and, yeah, and, and an ice sculptor and everything else. But yeah. then again, I would argue the same would be true of Tom Cruise, given the fact that he goes from zero combat training to yeah. being a killing machine. But what I'm saying is... If you do that enough days and it's thousands of thousands, would the human brain then, would you become insane? I don't, I have no idea. Uh, I, 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 I don't think so, but uh, heck, never been done, so who knows, right? Mm -hmm. I, I, I do think you'd have a bit of fun. I mean, notwithstanding the fact that you do have an alien invasion to deal with, I, I still think you take the odd day off and, uh, you know. Well, he sort of does that at one yeah. point in the film. So, back to the plot, he wakes up, and um, I think we kind of looked at each other at the point when we were watching this um, a bit like, oh, he's dealing with it very well. And then he suddenly says, I know what's happening. Uh, uh, um, the aliens can, or the alien invaders, or whatever we're going to call them, uh, have worked out how to, to set time. Now, this is, like I said, my third or fourth viewing. When he says that, I'm still like... Oh, right. So it's the aliens that are doing it. Because I'm such an idiot that I forgot what happened. <laughs> but do you think that the film set that up enough? I'm not entirely sure. that I, He's a propaganda master. He kind of knows a lot about the aliens. But he walks around immediately going, I need to talk to Bill Paxton. I need to talk to Jay Company. I need to tell you all that the aliens are resetting time. Whereas in Groundhog Day, we never know why it happens we, if anything we believe it's more we believe it's divine i um, think there's a god yeah element. well yeah there's no it's a comedy yeah. there's no no explanation is provided yeah. not nor does there really need to be one but i think in Andrew tomorrow you you probably do because it is ultimately more of a serious film um action science fiction but but still with it's not a comedy per se um so you need to provide it with some credible explanation which... but what i'm saying is could um could cage have worked that out that quickly and do we think he's communicated um, that well enough to the audience because i was like oh he did the maths quick i'd be well, like all he, whoa well all he I've knows all he knows is he just keeps repeating this i think if it happened the next day you'd just be you'd be, you'd be puzzled and you, i'm not sure you'd make any 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 sense out of it at all but probably by day three you'd probably start to be thinking, hang on a minute, you know, I, I, what the hell's really going on? You'd probably, your mind would start to try and rationalise it and start to think, well, what's actually happening here? But he was on day one of it happening. He was on moment one. He wakes up, he gets handed his boots, and he's like, oh, I'm a time traveller. Well, I, I think I'd probably I have that. Really, I don't think he really does that. He is pretty confused uh, on the oh, first Oh, no, you're repeat. right. On the first repeat. No, I've got it wrong. That's not the first. You're right. See, it's hard with this film. Yeah. You're right. The first repeat, he sleepwalks his way through everything. Which I think is it? not wholly unrealistic, no. actually. No, uh, that's my fault. It's, yeah. it's actually the time after that, perhaps. Well, yeah, and then he, he starts... He saves he starts, her again. Because that's the time when he gets the, the tape over his mouth, isn't yes. it? Because he yes. basically goes, I know exactly what's going to happen. And you all need to believe me. And of course, they all say, "Yeah, you're you're going mad," and 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 slap some tape over his mouth. Yes, which is probably yeah, not well. Would you? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Not wholly unrealistic, but would you have done that? I don't know. We the, the thing that what I love about this film, but also you could argue is a bit irritating, is that 
it's so clever in the way it's linear, linear, linear. The story is always linear. You're always getting a little bit of extra information just when you need it. But Lyman makes some really clever choices in terms of he never patronizes the audience. He always thinks the audience is sticking with this. It's like, how much do I need to show you? Um, because at this point in the film that we've gotten to so far, which is like, this is a two hour movie. Um, we're still at a point where time is still kind of going forward because even, or, or you, you have a repeat of a couple of days where the same thing happens, but he, he's so clever in his direction that even on that first time when he sleepwalks through everything, Lyman decides to cut it all straight away. He goes, boots. Paxton, J Company, well, that's suit. What, well, I think what uh, it's, it's it is, what you do, isn't it? Because you, 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 you've gone through the first sort of twenty minutes of the, of the movie now, quite slowly, yeah. or quite steadily. Or, well, steadily, Not yeah, slowly, yeah. yeah. Now, when you do the first repeat, you you clearly aren't going to do it in twenty five minutes. You really mm. only need. I don't know, maximum of 10, I would suggest. And even that's really stretching mm. it because you've got a lot of other stuff to fit in. There's here. a lot of stuff. And, in and people film. have already seen it so they and they've just seen it, no less. So they don't really, you, you, all they really need is the little bullets and headlines here I and there. I think a lesser director, though, would have slowed down the second one as well. Uh, but maybe. he's already setting the rules of his film, which is, I'll tell you what you need to know. You shouldn't, you should be able to follow this plot. Yeah. But I'm going to speed some things up. I'm going to slow some things down. So I think um, Angel of Verdun dies. Blunt dies again, mm-hmm. but a different way. Yeah. And then there's a few. So then what happens next? There's a few more times, and then at some point, he is. He has obviously become very good at remembering what happens in the battle. So then it becomes. There's kind of this film is divided into these parts, isn't it? So it's. Um, it's the airbase and, and London, then it's the battle. And so we're in the battle section. Repeat, live, die, repeat in the, in the battle, in the battle. And then at one point, she, he saves her, he's protecting her. He's, he's, again, Lyman makes some brilliant choices because he already has Cage shooting an alien above, shooting an alien at the side, and clearly establishing he's done this loads and loads of times in order to do this because we already knew five, ten minutes earlier that Cage couldn't use the weapon yeah or was an idiot yeah come on the ship is going to explode what are you doing find me when you wake up what come find me when you wake up the next part of the plot uh and this is where i think i want to get into my trojan horse which is really the purpose of this she says uh no i'm sorry i want to start again so you're um it's first time second time he sleepwalks through third time is when he saves that and that's when it gets to your point which is when the bat- he she takes the battery pack so i think this is really important so what i mean by a trojan horse is where you have a film that doesn't pass the bechdel test doesn't have very many female leads they don't talk to each other yeah. they may seemingly not be that important to the film it's a manly film blah 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 you know uh, it breaks all the rules that i said in the last season of, of um beyond Bechtel that i wanted to um, be established and yet still there is a phenomenal female performance in this film and i think that that is um mostly due to emily blunt but it's also due to um lyman's direction because at that moment in the film is when I really got on board with it, is where Blunt's character is established as 
a warmonger yeah. and someone who wants to be a soldier yeah. because she doesn't know Cage. She doesn't know anything that's happening. Only the audience know that. And so we have this one quick scene where he gets hit protecting her and instead of her protecting him or saying thank you or anything that a damsel in distress would ordinarily say, she ejects his battery pack, takes it and is like, see ya. And that is a merciless act which you very rarely get to see a female character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is pretty. So what did you think of Blunt in this film? She's good. She's good. Um... It's it's that it's it's difficult to assess exactly because her character background, without going too far ahead here, is is essentially the same thing happened to her as happened to, as as happened to Tom Cruise. I think we're just about getting to the point and, in the film, and, and where... therefore her outlook on this on combat and and war and everything else is different to anybody else's. Um, and she knows essentially that it's all about making the right decisions at the right time. And if you get it wrong, you go you go back and repeat, and so on and so forth. And she understands that like nobody else. Therefore, it, I think to sort of just say that she is purely about sort of uh, I don't know combat and winning and everything else is is, is not to me is oversimpl- oversimplifying doing it. her a disservice yeah, yeah. because what you're saying is in that small scene not only have we established that a woman can play a character a female character can be merciless but in fact no double bluff it's merciless born out of an emotional storyline or a, or a, a, well, a, another I mean, set of events what you could argue um obviously this is just pure speculation but what you could say is hey in the instances in which she did the same thing, in which she did live, die, repeat, um, maybe she had to steal someone's battery pack and kill them to, in order to carry on. And it was a natural thing for her to do in order, in order to get to the, the next stage of, of whatever, in the Battle of Verdun or whatever it was. Um, yeah, that was so, where it was happening so, for her. And, and I, I think as, as time goes on in, in, in Tom Cruise's sort of live, die, repeat, he, he does start to do things like this as well that there's oh yes yeah. absolutely but i like the way how they they is his character's journey i yeah. think i think it's very important to say that the reason why she stands out so much in this film is because this is a cruise beyond cruise film yeah this film is about him so much yeah it's like getting on my nerves you know it's it's even though he's so good and he it's such an interesting film that in order for it to work, it has to always be the audience has to is is kind of cages the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. it has to be about cruise, 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 and it's only ever his day that gets reset. So you have to only see it from his perspective. So you are seeing Blunt's character through Cage's eyes. Yeah, and um, it could have been her journey. Obviously, I would you know love it if that was the film that would have been the really bold choice but trojan horse is about how even with all these blocks stopping female characters or actresses or what have you getting to have like equal weight they can still blast through that and do something which is memorable and uh amazing because it's something that you know isn't done that often and i think that having her her character her story goes backwards his is going forwards as he learns and at the po- at the parts that he is learning what you need to do in order to get through this yeah. and ultimately defeat the enemy, she is revealing parts of how she learned that journey. It's it's funny when you have a a kind of um, a rule of the story that you only ever get 
a day together between the characters. You all right, Cage? I think I broke something. What? My back. The only thing I can feel in my lips. Now listen carefully. This is a very important rule. This is the only rule. You get injured on the field, you better make sure you die. Why? Last time I was in combat, I was hit. I was bleeding out, just not fast enough. I woke up in a field hospital with three pints of someone else's blood, and I was out. I lost the power. Do you understand? What stage are we at? We're at the point of Tom Cruise. Uh, well, of, she of, says, of, "Come and uh, meet me." Yeah, and that is the moment again when uh, you go boom. Yeah. Next wow factor. She's done this before, and then we go through, and, and, and then we can kind of speed up our summary yeah, yeah. of the plot. But uh, I also want to focus on how, when he first sees her, she's in her like now famous super uh, upward dog uh, mega yoga pose, showing how ripped she is <laughs> and yeah. strong. Yeah, um, but she's never filmed in a lascivious way even though she's got like you know just a crop top and some yeah, trousers on army gear isn't it really yeah but it's it's it, but it could still accentuate a woman's figure in a way it wouldn't necessarily do to a man yeah yeah and she has could. got she she does wear the you know least amount of clothing of anyone yeah. in the film you never see uh cruise in his white boxers um but it's it's she's a, she's positioned afar. She looks strong. He uh, Cage has got way more on his mind than she's Foxy. Yeah, like the audience is allowed, you know, ten seconds to go. Wow, she looks strong. She looks good. She's <laughs> yeah. a bit sweaty. Yeah, but then it goes straight. Bam, bam, action. Her with the machine, the practice machine. Yeah, the machines. Yeah, yeah. Her yeah. in combat. At no point is she ever treated any differently as if she was a man. This film could work, and I think it was maybe conceived as the the co-lead being a man. Um, I, I don't think it makes any... Yeah, I, I don't think that her... her you know, her, being, her being a woman makes any, any difference to it. I mean, she is... Uh, she does operate in a slightly sort of high-minded, holier-than-thou sort of, like, uh, place, doesn't she? Who said you could talk to me? Who said you could speak to me? Yeah, well, it's, it's, she's kind of this, this, you know. Hey, look, I'm, I'm the angel of Verdun. I, I've done, I've done some things that you've, you know, and and, and I don't and the, think she the, says the, that. She's well, not she's, trading off her pre no, but, reputation. Well, not she's not trading off it in in a, in that in sense. That, not for herself. But you get the impression, and you know, probably quite rightly, she deems most people beneath talking to her. That's what I think. Yeah, but I think it's because she's got a job to do and she doesn't want to waste time because she knows what happens if you waste time. Well, yeah. I yeah. don't think it's because she's hoity-toity. Well, she, she might come across like that to Cage, but it's because she knows the stakes of everything in a way that no other characters do, not even Cage at this point because he's only died like three times. Well, what's the first thing she says to him when he when he when he meets her? He, she says, "Find me when no, you um, wake up." When sorry, when oh. she's in the training, when she's doing the training. First uh, thing she says, "Come with me." Isn't no, it? she says, "Who told you you could talk to me?" Oh, is that her first? And, line? and I always thought, mm, well, 
Do, does he need permission? Well, yeah, but isn't he just some like private rat? You know, like. But again, that that. That's... But she's a general. Is that not about rank, military ranking? Well, maybe, but I mean, like, I, 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 I just think. I don't know if she's a, a general. I, I, no, I, I don't think she's a general, but I've no idea what rank she actually is. To be fair, but it's a bit kind of like, well, whoever, whoever Tom Cruise was, uh, yeah. you know, um, he might have some really pertinent information, or he might, which actually he does, as it so happens. Yeah. Or you know, it might be a. You know, can I train with you or something? Or you, you know, but why should Tom Cruise? He's a lowly private. No one else is doing that. She's leading the battle, and she needs to be focused. I think that 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 is what the character would be like. Um, and I, I think everyone's speaking to him like that at that point. Well, Not but, Jay Company. Well, but by the way, I mean, I, I don't think it makes a difference whether you're a man, whether she's a man or woman at this, no. at this point. But but it, you it, think it's rude? But, it, but I, well, it's it's an oddity that I think. All right, I, I think her, in her position, I'm not... Obviously, she wouldn't be particularly polite. It's a warfare and she's seen hmm. some things. I understand that, but I don't think... You think be, she was particularly... quite so sort of uh, combative about it. But or, you don't think that's because of what she's been through? Well, maybe, later... maybe, but then so has everybody, right? They've all, they've all been... No, they haven't. She's relived it 100,000 times. Well, yeah, obviously there's that. Yes, there's <laughs> that. But then... That's but then, the bit I'm saying she's like but, larky. But, but, but the, there are still soldiers who could probably benefit from a bit of her wisdom and might actually live. Yeah, but she's just... She's the day before... The battle. Yeah. She don't have no time well, to be training no crews. But yeah, well, that's... I, I mean, like, it's, it's just... Um, I don't know. I, I, I thought she was probably a little bit too sharp. But anyway. So that's, but that's a character choice. That's not a yeah. gender choice. Yeah, it's a character choice. Okay. Definitely. All right. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's a bit... I, I like it. <laughs> I like it because I don't think you see it enough. So she starts strong. She never, ever drops her mask, really. And I don't think it's a mask, actually. It's a hardened... You know, it's a hardened, uh, like, war persona from someone who's seen battle. Yeah. And then obviously later on, we, we find out there is someone very lightly alluded to who... Hendrix, I think he said. It's called Hendrix. Yeah, don't Jimmy. Think it, don't think it's Jimmy. It's Jimmy, Jimmy was there. Um, uh, and that was probably someone she... Uh, I think, again, a brilliant choice. It's a way of saying, at no point does anyone say anyone's in love with anybody, even though you have a male and female character who are developing an affinity for each other, or certainly Cage is developing it for Rita. Um, and when the film came out, there, were kind of, there, was a, there was a kind of a feminist critique body of people, women, I'm guessing, who didn't like the idea that there was a romantic storyline but i think this storyline is so well played it's like they only actually have one kiss kiss yeah he, he's the first character to allude to something though because typical man he says oh we need to transfer these skills that i have where i keep remembering the day have you tried every possible <laughs> yeah, move yeah. and it's like does he even slightly move his hips it's quite funny stop wait 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 Stop, wait, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, because I've been thinking, I mean, this thing's in my blood, so maybe there's some way I can transfer it to you. I've tried everything, it doesn't work. I mean, have you, you know, tried all, all the options? Oh, you mean sex? Yeah, tried it. How many times? All right. It's an interesting sort of um, 
relationship that because you know Tom Cruise is spending every single day with her but well, certainly for a, a, for him a, for, for a chunk yes, anyway every single of, of course, the same day of course day. she's not seeing not getting any of this no. so in a way I could I could see how he could form a bit of attachment yes. to that because quite frankly you spend the same day repeating with someone again and again and again you are eventually going to form an attachment to them now for, but for her it's never going to be the same no matter what and even even in the final analysis it, it's it's you can sense that she doesn't have the same feelings for him as he has for her. And I think that's, that would be correct. Yeah, because her last line to him, to skip all the way to the end, is, uh, I wish I could have gotten to know you better. Mm. Yeah, which is the perfect ending and still having a kiss. And I, I'm absolutely happy with the kiss. There is nothing wrong with that. The two, you know, I expect heterosexual people who seem to like each other from, a, like, you know, like a, a pure yeah. physical level. I look at you and go, well, you're nice, you're yeah. nice looking. So... And they and they know. She literally said seconds before that we're going to die. Yeah. Why not have a pash? Yeah. You haven't got time for. A yeah, you might as well. You might as well, really. Yeah. I quite like that that, that line as well because I think it's it's it's. Yeah. It's Lyman saying to the viewer, "I know she doesn't know. Yeah. I haven't forgotten. It's oh, his attachment is to her." Her attachment is not to him, mm. but it's also to the idea she is the only person who knows what he's been through. Well, it's also the, the insinuation, isn't there, that, that her attachment is to Hendrix, to Jimi Hendrix, yes. apparently. Yes, <laughs> to Jimi Who she saw, who she probably she witnessed die hundreds this, and hundreds of times. This film could definitely do with more mm. people of colour in it, yeah. so it's a shit that maybe, yeah. maybe it is Jimi Hendrix or some descendant. Um Okay, so where have we gotten to in the actual film? So, yes, she's introduced. They spend a lot of time together. It's We also meet uh, the character who um, I will look up now while you talk about the next part of the film, the guy who's the scientist. The scientist. Well, okay, well, hang on a minute, because we, we're missing bits out here. So, Go for it. So, yeah, so eventually, having been told to come and find her... By Emily Blunt, he then he, um, Tom, he finds her. Yeah, Tom goes and finds her. Oh, after his her, head gets squashed, yeah, by the talks to her. Army yeah, truck. yeah, well, he does a bit. Yeah, there's a few mistakes. But eventually, he goes bit. to see her, and then uh, she immediately believes him. Obviously, she does because because she's been through it herself. And then what they then do is go through a crap load of training where every single possible death befalls Tom Cruise, broken back, <laughs> and even if he doesn't die, even if he just breaks the odd limb. Uh, she still shoots him in the head. Again, the, brilliant the, 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 the idea being, yeah. um, and this she points out to him, that he has to die. He will lose the power unless he dies every single day, um, which he didn't know about prior to that point and just happened to be dying because he was going into battle, but now she spells it out to him. But it's yet another scene of showing her as someone who puts the cause before mm. emotions. Because how often do you see a woman shooting a man at point blank range well, again and again and she has no attachment to it's him a, it's a very, she understands the concept yeah, of him yeah. it's, it's a and funny she's point, brutal it? about it's it it's a funny point isn't it because you think well it's a consequence free environment that they're both operating in knowing she knows that if she shoots him it all resets back and then we start again no problem so whilst it might seem like a very callous act actually it's the correct thing to do so fine you just got to carry on no problem and when you've lived through it as many times as she has, again, you can develop that what may be seen to the casual observer as callousness, mm. but actually it's like pra practicality, I'm guessing. Well, it's necessity, yeah. isn't it? They have to. Yeah. Um, but still, I, I, I love how she plays it. 
I like how she does it. She has no time to beat about the bush. <laughs> and she's been through this so many times and it's a very yeah. good way of establishing um, that their relationship is 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 platonic or, or it's not even a factor. Well, there isn't really one because she's, no. she's met him for, what, a few hours, mm. one assumes at this point. Mm. So she really has no emotional attached to him whatsoever. Hmm. Not sure how he feels about her at this point. They're probably getting a bit pissed off that she keeps shooting him in the head. Oh, I don't think he's developed the attachment to her so far. But it also must be quite funny as well to have someone be so callous towards you. That's a little bit treat him and keep him clean. Not that that's the point. I'm just saying there are various little scenes between them. I think they have excellent chemistry. Sometimes people accuse Cruz of not being able to have chemistry with his female co-stars and um i think that i think theirs is really good yeah even though the whole point of it is for them supposedly not to have chemistry within the confines of the yeah. story yeah well it's tom i mean i frankly i mean i thought eyes wide shut i didn't think the chemistry was there <laughs> they were married they yeah were married. yeah but talking about live die repeat old kubrick he's mm. probably making them do the same scene yeah that yeah. is like edge of tomorrow wasn't he, tom yeah Cruise. edge of tomorrow result divorce <laughs> yeah because that was just after that so yeah r.i.p kubrick as well miss him but I bet he was appalling to work with i think we better start over don't you the actor is noah taylor and i always get confused about him because i'm like i'm sure he's from london and apparently he was born in london but he's english australian which explains his accent so he's so i i expect i suppose something to note here is everyone's acting in their own accent and it never makes a difference yeah and I think that's re- that's really good when you can do that because a lot of the time you have everyone having their own accent, it makes no sense. Yeah. I think in an army based in Heathrow, you can probably get away with yeah, it. Yeah, you probably can, I think. More, well. and the Tom being army. American yeah. and Paxton being the lead of whatever, I don't know, global international forces, like you said. <laughs> um, so we get to meeting Taylor's character and he. I think, again, the things I love about this film are like the little touches. It's like, why is he there? He's just some welder. And then very quickly, because everything is so time-based, you find out that um, he was actually like a physicist and has invented a machine. Actually, you don't find that out straight away. This is very good Chekhov's gun to a point where you don't even think about it. You see this pointy thing, which looks like my old BCG injection needle, but about 20 times thicker. (laughs) That's literally what I thought when I saw that. I was like, oh, I remember that. And um, uh, you see it on the table and that's, the only thing you think about, again, you don't even think about it for an hour. So then Tom uh, Cage tells everybody what's happened to him. And then we learn that uh, it's the aliens, the blue alien that kills him and puts its blood all over him. Yeah, yeah. Is the reason for the setting, the yeah. resetting. Yeah, yeah. Which, again, is probably dubious science, but I like it. I don't... I don't... I don't know. It's not not a film where you need to delve too much into into it because it is ultimately um, it, it's not really based on that, on any sort of premise of, of, of physics. It's just based on ideas of time, and you just need to come up with some Mechanism. explanation for it, which yeah. is semi credible. Which I think it is, quite frankly, it it, it works. I, I I don't have a problem with that on the plot device. I think it's okay. And it's very concisely stated. Mm. As well, everything's very concise, and so we're then at the point where the next part of the plot is getting uh, Rita out of the battle. Yeah, uh, because Rita then reveals that 
because she had this before she could reset time and she lost it and she kept seeing these visions of the omega and it's quite funny because everybody kept saying it in a slightly different way i always like that when everyone you only have a conversation with someone and you're and you're going omega and they're going yeah yeah what the omega and it's like oh what? <laughs> it's like, let's all work out the way we're going to say this word instead of all saying it somewhere different because we've all got different accents. Um, the Omega, I'm going to call it, like the watch, which is the big central brain hub. And we think there's only one of them. And if you destroy that, then yeah, all right. So now we move, you destroy all the aliens. So now we're moving to an, my, like, one of my, one of my prob- problems with this film, yes. which is rather like Independence Day and rather like a host of other science fiction oh, films that are based on this they, the they work yeah they work on the pr- they work on the principle of the hive mind yeah. that being that this alien this alien invasion that possess such technology that they can't be defeated but they have one Achilles heel they're all linked together so you don't have to kill all of them you just have to kill one of them <laughs> and it has to be this specific one and I always find it it's it's a tricky kind of get out of jail free card for science fiction where you can't think of a way that, that humanity can actually win that war in conventional means I agree with you to a point but uh, and I don't know anywhere near as much about Star Trek as you do well, the but Borg, the one thing the way, that the I, Borg yeah. has, has taught me is that a force is more powerful if people work together. But, so I would say that, like, yes, I agree it is a trope, but at the same point, I do believe the concept that if you're all working together towards the same thing, you're stronger. You might you might well be, you might well be, but the Borg suffer from the same problem, which is that you don't need to bother fighting Borg cubes, you just need to kill the Queen, quite clearly. Um, why bother doing anything else? Yeah, fact? but you've got to learn that. And uh, the device in this film is that he has these visions. Yeah. But that's like a double bluff again. So there's a lot of bluffing in this. Mm. This film is like, uh, you know, there's normally, what, a three-act structure. I think there's probably like five or six acts in Edge of Tomorrow. There's there's certainly sections. Well, there's basically... No, I don't know about that. Really? I think... The, the the setup is is I mean I think Act One is kind of like the beginning to probably the linear time yeah, yeah. Pro- probably to the point of uh, him meeting Emily Blunt yes. I, I suspect then I think the next bit is to the to the to the point of reaching their sort of end game which we'll get to in a bit which is and the, then there's the end and then, game. There's, then there's the end game okay well I say I yeah maybe it's not Act but I say you have the section at the beginning, linear time, then you have resetting of time and going to the beach battle again and again. And then we move on to the next part of the movie. So we can now move to, I think, um, he hasn't started getting these visions yet. He starts to get these visions. Um, Him and Rita, Cage and Rita, are plotting their course through all of the... uh, aliens because he gets a vision that says it's somewhere in Germany and it actually turns out to be Denmark and I thought that was quite funny it was quite a like, yeah, little, right. yeah yeah so like because the language is from what he sees in his vision he sees something written on the wall does look kind of German yeah, to me yeah um he has a vision and that's where the Omega is so then the next part of the battle is, uh, sorry of the film is that they have to get her out of the battle so she can go and kill it 
So I suppose the next question is, is that was that the right move? Should she be the one to kill it? Because she was the angel of she's, the dawn, she's, because she, she could go she back imposes, in time. She imposes him, yeah. herself on him. And yes, I think this is an interesting point, this. I, I, I think she's gotten slightly sort of uh, big for her boots at this point, because... <laughs> She, she was the angel of the done because she had the power and she seems to have forgotten that a little bit. Now, mm-hmm. to be sure, she has some fantastic combat skills, but you don't know what... You, you, I think the presumption you'd have to make is that she went through the same training mechanism that Tom Cruise Well, she was through. already a soldier. Presumably. So she was one step ahead. Yeah, but, but but she's she's now, she became a super soldier. She's a and, super soldier. And I think you, you are invited to believe as a viewer that she went through the same training mechanism that Tom Cruise went through, presumably with Jimi Hendrix... Um, however, she then in where at you know she's now sort of treating it as if she's the primary soldier and Tom Cruise is the secondary, and yet quite clearly from a viewer point of view, you are thinking, but surely Tom Cruise is the better person to do this. See, I I don't think that at all. I think at that point in the film, it's still firmly established that the soldier is Emily Blunt, oh, yeah, the person it is. with all the it is. knowledge. All he is is the vessel that she is using to get to her goal. I still put my money on blood. But by this point, he is... I mean, certainly once we get to, you know, all the times we go back to the beach and and, and, and they get yeah. further and further and further, he, he at, at this point, they're, yeah. from a combat perspective, they're on about even keels at this point. Yes, and that's when we get to the next stage, which is the possible burgeoning relationship. Yeah. So there's a couple of things we've missed in the middle, which is where... Um, Tom's fucked off with everything. Cage hates everything. I just want to say Tom all the way through because I do just think this is Tom Cruise playing Tom Cruise. Um, except at the beginning. He doesn't really show much. He doesn't really have a lot of emotional range mm. during the action scenes. It's with, with Cruise, I think it's emotion or it's action. Yeah. Um, uh, and he goes and, and like decides he's not going to take part in that battle that day. Mm. Um, and then it's hilarious because the aliens find him anyway. Uh, so that's when he realises, oh, I've got to carry on and do this. And I quite like that because I thought that was a good little nod again to us everyday yeah. people who'd be like, oh, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm fed up of dying. Um, and I do really enjoy the way that every time Tom dies, he wakes up just after that death in a way that's like, oh, my head, oh, my chest. And it was there yeah. Harry died. I thought it was very good. Um, uh, and then we get to the point where he's like, no, I do need her. And we do need to do this. And we get to the point in the film where they've made it out of the battle. Um, And then we get into this really weird scene, which I think is like the emotional development between the characters, where they're at this disgusting, like, caravan park? I don't know what it is. It's like, remember, 178 million, Tom's V, CGI, (laughs) location scout. Yeah. Um, and then they decide to try and get one of these vehicles so they can start driving. Because they're trying to get to Denmark at this point, I think. So, uh, well, it's Germany in theory. It? It, it is, but they need to get out of the country. Uh, or, or, you know, north of uh, France. Um, and I, I just want to bring up something again, which Lyman does, which is really good. Which is, I was noting through the film the way that he dealt with time. And he'd go forward, 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 back. Tom experiences some... Ugh, Cage experiences something for the next time and we see that and then it gets sped up yeah, yeah. and goes on and on and at this point he does something interesting again with the time which is we don't know that Cage has already done this before and it is revealed 
by the conversations he has well, with Rita. Okay. He does he, that doesn't happen at any point you, until you that point in okay, the film. You don't know he's done it before. No, no, only um, by what he says. However, however, he's the, definitely done some of the, it. Before. The nature of his character suggests yeah. that. I think I, I always thought as a viewer, you are you're always invited to believe at every single yeah. point he's done everything before. Uh, except for the bit with the two fingers behind the back, and I suppose that's yeah. You know, there, there, all there's of occasional that. things yeah. like that, but certainly the scene in in the, what was the farmhouse. No, I knew the, this. You've gone straight ahead. Oh, well, haven't, well, yeah, we're still not quite there. I'm talking about the parts um, uh, in the car. They've they've managed to escape from the. I want to call them Sentinels. That's the Matrix <laughs> baddies. They just remind me of Sentinels. Um, uh, they've escaped from the car, and this is on the oh. way to the farmhouse. Right, okay. And that's when we hear about Hendrix. Okay. So that's the first time where he's telling her something and telling us, the audience, at the same time, you've told me this before. And I would like to name this the primer effect, because <laughs> that whole film is about how you realise from the start, once you've seen the end, that the first scene you saw might not actually have been the first scene yeah. chronologically in time. Yeah. And I love that little touch where Cage is like, oh, who's this Hendrix and what's your middle name? Although he says, he says, again, that things like this annoy me. He says, oh, is it Payton? Is it Paige? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Emily Blunt's character, Rita, the most English-sounding woman in the world, her Middle name's definitely going to be the most American name you can think of. So, yeah, so the, you, you're right about the farm scene. But, yeah, in that car, that's when we get development. And it's a very clever way of showing uh, this bond that he's starting to develop for her. Yeah. But what I like about this in terms of Blunt's characterization is that it, this is the opposite. You have Cruz as what is stereotypically, in a film, the female character, probing the strong, silent type for information about their emotional life. Like, you know, um, Emily Blunt's character, Rita, is like Ryan Gosling in every single film. That's mm. what it reminds me of. Like, you know, doesn't say anything, keeps all the emotions inside. And I think she plays it absolutely brilliantly. And you don't really see the strong, silent type. Yeah. As yeah. a woman yeah. in yeah. a film. And yet Cruz um, is allowed to be still himself when he's playing Cage, still manly, if you will, about it. You never think, oh, he's asking her too many personal questions. <laughs> you think he's developed this bond. He, he likes her. He wants to know more about her. Yeah. And then we get to the farmhouse. Yeah, yeah, we do indeed. But I'm, I don't think, I mean, I think... Although we do find this out, that, that there's a sort of suggestion about the way that scene in the farmhouse unfolds, that this is the first time it's happening. But again, you have to remember the film you're watching and, and you are always ever invited to, to always think that you've seen that, that this has happened hundreds, potentially thousands of times before. It's a bit of a brain mash because yeah. us watching the film again is us going through Edge yeah. of Tomorrow ourselves. Yeah. So you get into this really weird fog where you're like... Has he done this before? Or have I... Is this from the last time I saw the yeah, film? Yeah. I remember it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that scene is heartbreaking because at that point, you're right, it's been established enough. The audience... We're never, ever um, spoon-fed. We know. We're like, why is he delaying things? Yeah. Why doesn't he want her to get in that helicopter? Because I remember thinking, oh, Emily Blunt's going to fly a helicopter. Yes. <laughs> um, and that doesn't go very well, no, that part. No, it doesn't. Unfortunately. But I think it's a very beautiful scene between them. 
where he has to convey to her. Yeah. Yeah. Please, let's just have a cup of coffee. Yeah. And I can't even tell whether when he gives her the three sugars, whether he's doing it because he's forgotten. But part of me thinks he's trying to tell her without telling her. And she works it out. She's like, have we done this before? How do you well, know she, how many well, sugars she, I take course, in my coffee? Of course she and knows, I'm like, yeah. three sugars in your coffee, honestly. I know, that is love. a lot. That is that's, a lot. that's my that's criticism very, very of sweet, blunt. Very sweet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, I would regard that scene, I, I think, probably the scene just after it, actually, one where, where, where they, he, he does, because after her Emily Blunt dies, or he, he reveals to her that she, he can't get her out of this farmhouse. Yeah. And so, and so she does die, and so on and so forth. And then, he, and then he in a quite dramatic helicopter. Yeah, I mean, like it was like a suicide thing, really. But he eventually, you know, does get in the helicopter and he flies up to that. I regard that that certainly that scene probably that the beginning of Act Three, actually, because I, th- I don't think yes. it, um, because it, it it it's taking you down a certain path uh, of yes, you need to get to this dam, need to get to this dam. Um, which he does. Yeah, but I like just before that, I like again where her character goes, which is she's the dumb action figure. Mm. Maybe, maybe dumb's a bit extreme, but she's like, I'm not listening to you. Every beat of her character is exactly what the hero or, or whatever well, the, the 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 military person would do. She's like, I'm not listening to you. I've got my mission. Well, a- I need to do this. <laughs> I have to fly this helicopter. Yeah. I'm ignoring you. And it's really, again, rare yeah. to see that on screen. Yeah. To see a woman being able to have that strong, being an idiot role. Yeah. It is, but, but, you know, that character needs to needs to be genderless. It's a type of person. Yeah. It yeah. shouldn't yes, be, uh, yeah. you know, stereotypical male or female. Yeah. It's a question for you that's mm-hmm. related to that scene. Um, Should but, they have had sex? Yes. Oh no. Sorry. Yeah. Well, they could have done. Yeah, that would have worked. That would have Maybe worked. if he had just told her they could get it on. But I'm glad really that they didn't because yeah. this. It well, should, it's not. Really not that there's anything wrong with uh, <laughs> having really, sex on her first really a mission, process. first but alien you, you take invasion. This scene, you take this scene. And he says to her, "I've tried it every possible way, and you don't make it out of this farmhouse alive." Now, mm. Okay, so you are a repeating individual with every single option available to you, in theory, right? Mm-hmm. Just don't go to the farmhouse would be, you know, that's the wrong choice to start with. But every single time the car runs out of gas. Well, then you're going the wrong way. You're going on the wrong route. To yeah, take a different route, don't take the car, take a different car. Remember, every, Yeah, but he tried that. He every, said every time we go rem- for that car, you get killed. We then, have, there's then, two options. Then, no, there, there are not. There are ultimately infinite options. You, you weren't there, man. You, you, that's the thing. You, you're assuming that you have to go to the caravan park and then onto the farmhouse. You don't. There might be another way. There's always another way. That's the thing about being a live-die repeater is that you can always find another another route. I am assuming that Cage has tried well, all of those. That's what the film is trying to tell us. We are giving you the distilled version of a linearish plot with a non-linear timeline. Well, the impression I got mm-hmm. was that he tried to get her out of that farmhouse and failed. And I could see that. There aren't too many options to get out of that farmhouse, quite frankly. And you're saying just don't even go to I'm the saying, that, yeah, there's something that, that you need to go further back and, and then reroute it from there. I, d- I don't know how far back you need to go. Well, but for one thing, you need to reroute it because this is, that is right? the UK. <laughs> okay. Omega, okay. Omega. Okay. Um, but um, I'm willing, I, I see what you're saying, but I am willing to accept 
that he's tried all those options and this is the only option where at least there's a helicopter. Because remember, after that scene, he then takes the helicopter to where he believes the Omega to be. And we we should remember that this is supposed to be about saving the world. Mm. And it's that classic, do you save the person you love, care for, would it, what Would it you? not have been a better choice to have stolen a dropship and flown to the dam without actually bothering to land on the beach? No, but he only... They... Um, the day after he finds that out, he dies. He then finds out where it is. He goes to tell her. Remember, he's got to set it all up with her because she doesn't remember anything. They go and tell the scientist guy, yeah. Taylor, yeah. and then they find out exactly where it is. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, I suppose maybe at that point they could try and steal a ship because they do steal a ship later, do on, steal in a the, ship later on in the film. It, yeah. It's one of those things that I, keep, that I just keep thinking, what, did you really have to land on the beach, fight your way off the beach, go to the caravan park, try and steal a helicopter? I mean... That's what I'm saying about going so, back and, and actually saying, well, actually, it might be a better get, option. You're right. He does get in the helicopter when he when he's decided. Then they have that, you know, that very sweet thing where he goes to meet her. She does her, you know, standoffish scene you love where she's like, well, she doesn't say the thing that you said she said at the beginning, but she says something similar. Yeah. Like, uh, why have you interrupted me? Yeah. And there's also, yeah. we've, missed a, we've missed a bit earlier as well where she's like, is there something on my face? Which again, I want to bring up. She says it a couple of times in the film <laughs> when he's staring at her. And I love it because she is so without artifice. She, he is a brand new person to her. She cannot possibly have any feelings for him. Yeah. She's not even looking at him like he's Tom bloody Cruise. And she's like, you must be staring at me. Because there's something on my face. I like that level of lack of vanity to be an incredibly attractive characteristic that she's displaying. Yeah. Which you 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 would have mo- most, like, female characters would either go down the route of, are you looking at me? Do you fancy me? Or they go down the route of, is there something wrong with me? And instead, she's like, is there something on my face? Like, it's, it's like, I just think it's a really lovely way of showing that she doesn't care yeah and that she doesn't even think along those lines of what a traditional female mm. yeah. co-lead yeah. would do when a male lead looks at them yeah. again just lovely little touches all the way through that she brings to this film in in saying that this is just such an interesting character yeah. and gender is so not part of it so he takes helicopter so I'm guessing on that basis, he decides he's not going to help her because he's realised he cares for her. And then she tells him his her middle name, which is Rose, um, not Rosebud. And he must then fight the battle in the same way, but himself, because he's um, taking that helicopter. Well, that must I, be his well, decision exactly that it's the speediest what, Exactly way. what he's doing is not really crystal clear at that point, because... Exactly how he gets there isn't really it's, known. It's a helicopter. No, no, he, this yeah, is, this yeah, is no, no, he takes the helicopter, yeah. but you don't know whether he takes her with with him at all. You don't know whether or not he No, I don't him. think he takes her at all. No, I think you do know that. He doesn't take her. He decides the best way to do it, to keep her safe, is to not go with her at all. They're both at the battle, but he just goes off and does his own thing. No, it could be that's, that, yeah. that's how I took I think does add to the credibility of the plot is that he knows how to fly that helicopter because he's tried it so many times with her. He probably doesn't know how to fly one of those planes. Uh, yeah, but he could learn it. That's the thing. Yeah, yeah, good point. Okay, anyway. Mm. 
you can go back, speak to Doug Lyman, <laughs> whisper in his ear, say, put a plane in, and then we'll watch the film again, and it'll be all, there's definitely a plane, and it'll be half an hour shorter, <laughs> which maybe this film yeah, needs. Yeah. It's pretty long. Um, okay, so he gets to... Wherever Omega. that dam is, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it isn't. And no. it's the aliens been playing about with him. And I think now we can, like, skip a lot, because this is when... Um, uh, like it's a good bit and a bad bit for me. So the best, one of the best bits in the film for me is the moment where they decide they're going to use this machine again that Noah Taylor's character is, we've only seen for a second, Chekhov's BCG. And um, uh, they go and see Brendan Gleeson again and uh, eventually they convince him, you get the idea they've done it lots and lots of times, eventually they convince him to open his safe and give them this machine and they use it on crews. And then things happen, and earlier on in the film, um, Rita had said to Cage, uh, I had a blood transfusion, and it's yeah. all to do with the blood, and you learn all this stuff that actually it's about the blood, that the Omega is not where it where they thought it was in Denmark, because it's the alien mm-hmm. uh, bluffing them again, which I thought was very cool. Yeah, and, good, good plot yeah. point, that was And it? then yeah. we get to the point where... They've crashed in a car. They've maybe been shot. They're surrounded by soldiers. The airbags are, she's going, and he wakes up in hospital and you realise that he's having a blood transfusion. And I thought it was a really good moment where you're like, fuck, is she dead? Mm. Would be a bold choice, but I'm glad because I love Emily Blunt and she's the reason why we're having this (laughs) conversation. But they could have actually killed her then. But instead, she's fine because she's a super soldier. And then, this is what I love, the stakes come back again. Because really, the only stakes have been in the middle of it has been him learning things. Yeah. It's classic Groundhog Day. And also establishing their relationship. And also establishing all the different fun paths he can take. Yeah. Which is great Yeah, as an audience. Yeah. Um, but then suddenly, it's like it's gone now. And now you're like, right, we're in the, like, the yeah, end this game. Yeah, this is it, isn't it? Yeah. And... Um, uh, this is where, like, I think we can just gloss over the rest of the film in yeah. terms of because it doesn't really do anything in terms of um, Emily Blunt's no role. Yeah. Did you like the ending of this film? Um, so they get Jay Company back. So yeah. Charlotte Riley comes back. I'm like, Bing, 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 another woman. I think it works quite well. I, I, I like the 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 going back to Jay Company actually because I think that was a good decision to do it. That, that, that Tom Cruise from being the the person that they hated the most and they still <laughs> go with him. Of course, it helps. She have, turns helps to up. Have Emily Blunt there as well. Again, great um, having the character with the um, prestige but it's, being But it's a, a suicide woman. mission, and they kind of all know it. You know, even though it's not really said, they they know that that they're not really going to make it back alive. They're going to the you know alien heartland here, so it's it's a bit like uh, what's a Neo and Trinity going to the the machine yes. city, isn't it? It's the same. It's, it's a suicide mission, really. Trinity another mm. good example of this type of female character yeah. actually except yeah. they do have a proper love yeah. affair and have three films to explore it but um you know it's a it's believable because they're you know they're yeah. not going back in time yeah so yeah i i i they do make it there's a point well hang on, yeah yeah so there's that bit where at the end where um they, they work together they've got another day together so they've actually at this point only ever spent two days in a row mm. together and we have to keep telling reminding ourselves and Lyman does a good job of also reminding us you yeah. know, don't expect her to fall ma- massively in love with him because yeah. if you're looking for that because <clears throat> they've only had two days together and then that is that really good moment where she is still 
keeping to the idea that it's better to save the planet than to save themselves or that they can't save themselves she's at peace the good thing about like, i think they both are really though aren't they because I, I, uh, I, I i don't think even tom i think tom cruise knows at this point yeah okay yeah they're not going to make it out yeah but she never wavers from her character she has a few moments of weakness well no, not weakness that's not fair a few moments of what she her character would consider weakness which is sharing some of her uh, feelings about things and her life you know with cage after her becoming mm. a super soldier and even at the end she still stays true to uh, i'm the hero i want to save this yeah and um he gets to be as well and that's and that's great because like you know without a doubt it's Cruz's character who has the arc. It's Cruz's film. And, but part of the reason why this is a Trojan horse is that the, uh, the odds are stacked against Blunt making any impact at all in this film. Yeah. Because it's so Cruz, 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 Cruz. But he gives her ample room as a scene partner Yeah. every time they're together. Lyman gives her, um, you know, all the lines that any other character would have. And I think she's... Rita's quite an iconic... Roll, yeah. really? I'm hit. I'm hit. How bad is it? Is there, is there a, a, a lot of blood? You have a hole in your chest. Really? Did you just take my... My battery? Battery? but also is probably more powerful and less female emotionally attuned than a lot of other yeah. female yeah. characters who are involved in a sci-fi or a war movie. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I was <laughs> observing that there's a heck of a lot of James Cameron references in this film, if you ask me. I mean, I, th I think the, the combat suits they wear as... Take it or a sort of influ influenced by yes. the uh, the the what's it loading machines from aliens. They also the ships as well have these like uh, rotary kind of helicopter blades, a la sort of Avatar as well, which maybe. When did Avatar come out? Uh, Two thousand and was it nine ten? No, time? was that long ago? Yeah. Wowzer! Why is it we always think it's funny how we've we've changed? We always think we'd be flying around in like certain kinds of ships, and now all the ships of the future are giant. Helicopter Helicopters. style. Because they have them in like uh, the Marvel films as well, don't they? The, the giant sort of helicopter kind of uh, aircraft carrier things that, that, that hover. Well, I think that's because, well, I don't know about Avatar, but in the Marvel universe, it's because that's what actually exists now. And you're supposed to think the Marvel universe ha films are kind of, you know, to yeah. the extent that they're the modern day ones, that they are happening now yeah. or the near future. So I suppose they're trying to deal with some realism, which is, you know, you have all those special kinds of military helicopter maybe it just looks good well it does look well. good it does look good and it's it's quite perfectly believable because we know that that technology works anyway but and also a helicopter can kind of lift off the ground quickly and mm. get up whereas a plane has to have that kind of you know run up yeah or or things did you like uh blunt's character did you yeah. like rita as a character yeah i did yeah i did yeah she's uh she's quite it, it's 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 the kind of it's a funny thing because she she obviously is has become what Tom Cruise is becoming, yes. which is desensitized to war, but also slightly kind of you know burnt and you know seen some things and and that that kind of that kind of character which Tom Cruise 
is kind of going through that arc to a certain extent. Well, I'm not sure he is. No, I actually think that she is that character and he is having the heroine character. He is going through it, but I think he's more emotionally in tune than she is. Yeah. I think so. So there's going to be a sequel, or there are certainly very strong rumours of a sequel, and they couldn't make it this year because, or, or 2018, because Blunt was filming Mary Poppins. But um, Macquarie has um, uh, written the script again. Lyman's going to direct it again. Okay. They're both going to be in it. Now, this would be the opportunity in, in other films to kill off Rita. Which worries me. But at the um, same point, when I was watching the film, I knew this when we were watching it earlier, mm. that there was going to be a sequel. Yeah. And I kind of started tracking in my mind things that we don't know anything about. We don't know about her history. We don't know about her relationships. We don't know what's going to happen next because of the ending of the film resets it that she doesn't know him and he's gone to see her. Like, he's gone to see her. I didn't fully understand that. No, and, and then I, it's I, like, what you. are you going to say to her? Hi. Um, yeah, I... I, I it's left. I think that that is a classic ending to leave open for a sequel, yeah. isn't it? Rather yeah. than an ending that makes a whole lot. It's of also sense. a Tom Cruise film ending. Yeah. Let's have a little joke at the end. Yeah, <laughs> um, because I, I, I couldn't get my head around it. But I guess we'll find that out. I don't know. I just I'm really hoping that we get what I really love is the sequel. Which there's a rumor that it's called Live Die Repeat Repeat, which I fucking hate. Um, the day after tomorrow. Day after the edge of tomorrow. Day after the edge of tomorrow. <laughs> I like that better. Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. The other edge of tomorrow. <laughs> the other side. Oh, why are they not hiring us? Um, but what would be a really bold move, and I would absolutely love, is um, if the film's from her point of view. You could st- start it all over again, or she gets it back. You know, the, the, there's, there's definitely more you can do with it, and I'm interested to see what happens. It won't be. It'll be a Tom Cruise vehicle. But mm. I think it will go to establishing their relationship. And I'm interested in that. I'm interested in learning more about her. There's so much more you can do with her yeah. character. It depends what they do, doesn't it, really? Because they could... Yeah. I, 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 yeah, it, it is. She is interesting. There's definitely no doubt about it. I don't think you can just get away with doing the same thing again. That's the thing. No, not the same time period, but I think that people going to see it will want there to be some kind of time shifting. Well, you there. might argue, yeah, absolutely. And the aliens yeah, do that. Yeah, you so, would. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's, that's the attraction, yeah. isn't it? The repeating thing. Um, I mean, her story with Jimi Hendrix would be would be a great opportunity, but then where's Tom Cruise fit into that anyway? So, you know, it doesn't really make any sense. Also, we could do prequel. You see, normally I hate prequels, but I'm willing... To maybe it's just a love story between the two of them. No, I don't think so. Could you go back to the Battle of the Dun? Maybe you could go well, back. Well, you could, and then that means every that negates everything well, that you, happens well, in you, Edge you, of Tomorrow. The problem is, you could, I reckon you could, but then where's Tom Cruise fit in that plot line? Oh well, maybe we'll have to sacrifice him. Uh, maybe he is Hendrix. Oh my God! Oh, okay. Now I'm in. Oh yeah. I've got it. I've nailed it already. He already knew her middle name was right. No, okay. No, this is just messing with my head now. And I think this has been a very long episode, so we should um, okay. <laughs> probably end. <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about Age of Tomorrow or about um, Rita, Angel of Verdun, Ratablubli, Julia Kowski? Um, no, not especially. I, I, I just think uh, it, it's, it's as, as a sort of final point on sci-fi of, of this nature, mm-hmm. is, it's, is they are very, it, it is a golden opportunity to present 
and and often is and, and often is exploited. You know, the golden opportunity to present that sort of strong female military character. I don't for some reason you can't get away. It doesn't seem to work in in in, in present day, or at least it's never really been tried. I should say, mm-hmm. but in the future, people just sort of make that leap of faith that that's how it's going to be. And so, you could, as you can always do it, you, you, you probably should. You, should, you probably should always do mm-hmm. it. So basically. She has acted as a Trojan horse mm. in terms of both the character within the movie and also this type of character yeah. being generally put in movies. Yeah. Well, that feels like a good point to end on. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this very long episode and Trojan horses. Hopefully everyone gets the concept now, including me and Nick. Um, we are still recording the other episodes of season two, which will have some more surprises for you and some more Trojan horses. Um, if you want to come up with your own ideas, then please email beyondbeck at gmail.com or uh, tweet to us at beyond underscore Beckdale. In the next episode of Beyond Beckdale, Stephanie Davis takes us through her specialist subject, which is not controlling the weather. Lightning physically <gasps> struck our set three times. Oh, my God. <laughs> Find out more on the next episode of Beyond Beckdale. See you then.